We are exploring the seven I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel. And so today we're looking at the time when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now I think that the good shepherd image is probably one of the most popular images that we find in paintings of Jesus, even today. And that dates right back to the second century. You can go to the catacombs of Priscilla and you can find a fresco that shows Jesus as the good shepherd. So this is a long history of portraying Jesus as a good shepherd. But over the years, something kind of weird happens. Uh, Jesus gets a lot whiter and a lot more handsome, and he ends up becoming somewhat sentimentalized in the portraits that we find of Jesus, the good shepherd. And I think it's, it's kind of sad because it takes away from the radical message of Jesus and the radical statement that he makes when he says, I am the good shepherd. So instead of picturing Jesus, when I say I am the good shepherd, instead of picturing him as this handsome, ruggedly handsome man holding this very happy lamb, maybe another image might be helpful for us. I saw this image of a couple of modern day Palestinian shepherds a few years ago. And there was a couple of guys in their late teens and they were standing watching over their flock as night fell, it sounds almost biblical. Uh, but one of the shepherds was standing and he had a, a cigarette in one hand and he had an AK-47 in the other hand as he watched over his flock at night. And the whole image just kind of said to me, don't mess with me, I'm here to do a job. And I kind of like that image in my mind as I think of Jesus as the good shepherd. Maybe not the cigarette and the gun, but that idea of Jesus was very serious and intentional about this message that he had come to be the good shepherd. And don't mess with him because he came to do a job. And there's kind of this radical edge to the message of Jesus that is sometimes lost in the modern portraits that we have of him. And so once again, as we look at this I am statement, we realize that Jesus is very clearly claiming to be the promised Messiah. And he's also very clearly claiming uh, to be divine, to be not only sent from God, but to be actually divine himself. And we see that clearly again in this I am statement. I am the good shepherd. The I am statements are loaded with divinity. And we especially see it when they stand alone, like when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. But we also see it in these seven I am statements. They're just loaded with that sense of divinity. But then even when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. That word good is certainly meant to set Jesus apart from the false shepherds of the time. But that word good is also very important. In, in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus says, there is only one that is good, and that is God. And so when Jesus calls himself good, that really elevates his status. It shows that he's claiming this sense of divinity, even in that statement, even in that word. And then, of course, I am the good shepherd. And that image of the shepherd just draws us right back to Psalm 23, where we, we read, Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so for Jesus to uh, put himself side by side with that very famous statement from David, then we realize that Jesus is greater than David. 
Jesus is greater than just a prophet or a teacher or a rabbi, that he's claiming this equality with God. And we realize that because he gets in trouble every time he does this. After every I am statement, there is a conflict because Jesus is forcing people to make a decision about him. He's forcing them to say he, they either agree with or disagree with what he's saying. He's not allowing people just to sit on the fence. And we see that right at the end of this passage as the reaction of the crowd. Some are saying that he's a madman, he's crazy. And other people say that he's demon-possessed. And so he's stirring up conflict through these I am statements. They fully understand what Jesus is insinuating and claiming when he makes these statements. And so this wasn't just some misty-eyed statement from a sentimental Jesus. This was and is a direct theological and even politically challenged statement to the authorities at the time. And that's really important for us to grasp. Well, there's two other really big truths that I want us to get out of this passage. Uh, very important truths that Jesus reveals as he reveals himself as the good shepherd. First of all, and this is really important to get. He also says, no one takes my life from me. That's an important addition that Jesus makes in this passage that he makes in other places as well. See, Jesus wasn't murdered. He wasn't even executed. Jesus intentionally and with purpose gave up his own life as a sacrifice. I heard a story uh, just this last week in my reading, I actually read the story, of uh, a young French soldier during the First World War. And he was injured, and uh, he injured his arm so badly that they had to amputate it. And the surgeon was so sad for this young man who was now going to live the rest of his life without his arm. And so the surgeon sat by the man's bed and waited till he woke up, and then he wanted to break the news to him himself. So he said, young man, I'm sorry to tell you that you have lost your arm. To which the young soldier replied, sir, I did not lose it. I gave it for France. So you see the difference there, the difference in perspective. So Jesus doesn't just randomly lose his life to an angry mob. Jesus gives his life with purpose as a sacrifice for you and for me. And that is the heart of the gospel. And we must always be careful not to allow the Christian message to become a kind of moral philosophy, a, a set of principles or guidelines that are just intended to help us be better people. Because if Jesus died, if Jesus intentionally gave his life just so that we can behave better, what a waste. Jesus intentionally gives his life. It's an event in history. And the passage says he was going to give his life and he was going to take it up again. He was going to rise from the dead. That's an event in history that changes everything. Jesus gives his life so that we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. And that's what's part of the gospel and the heart of the gospel. And that comes out in this passage as well when Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. Well, the other big truth that's here that I want us to pay attention to is another statement where Jesus says, I have other sheep. 
Now, to you and me, we might just gloss over that and move on. But to the people that Jesus was talking to at the time, this might have shaken them to their core, this idea. Because Jesus was saying this to a crowd in Judea that really thought of themselves as exclusive and elite. And so for Jesus to say, you know, it's not all about you. In fact, there are other sheep. I have other people that I'm going to bring in and people that you might not like, people that you've ignored, people that you've excluded. I am bringing them in so that there'll be one flock and he will be the chief shepherd. We see this play out as we come to the Acts of the Apostles. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says some specific words to his disciples. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why? Because I have other sheep that he's going to bring in. Also uh, read another story in preparation for the sermon today, and it was a story about um, an early missionary to the Cree people in Saskatchewan. And the story goes that this missionary was sitting down with a chief of the Cree nation, and they were having a discussion about Jesus and about how Jesus reveals God as our Father. And the, the record says that uh, this Cree chief said, we never thought of the great spirit as father. We heard of him in the thunder. We saw him in the lightning, the tempest, and the blizzard, and we were afraid. So when you tell us that the great spirit is our father, that is beautiful to us. And the chief goes on to say, but I also note that he is your father as well as my father. That makes us brothers. And that's the beautiful thing that Jesus is unfolding to the people, whether they like it or not. The Jewish leaders definitely did not like this idea that there were other sheep, that Jesus had an expansive view of the kingdom of God. And that expansive view would be brought into unity through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's part of what we find in this passage as well. So the beautiful vision and a beautiful truth that Jesus is revealing to us as not only the good shepherd, but the only shepherd, the one that's going to unite people together by God's spirit. Well, I want us to get down, though, to the heart of the passage, at least uh, the heart of the passage as I read it and as it comes to me today. The heart of the passage for me is found in this phrase, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's this intimacy. It's this knowledge that Jesus have, has of his sheep and the knowledge that they have of him. So Jesus is saying, I'm not some imposter. I'm not some con man. I'm not just some other guy claiming to be the Messiah who's going to fall flat in his face and his people are going to scatter. Unlike these self-appointed elitist religious leaders, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I have the well-being of my sheep at heart, not my own well-being. I come right through the front door, not like a thief climbing over the walls. And, and this is probably the most important for me today, I won't abandon my sheep when trouble comes because I am the good shepherd. 
You know, even though I think that some of the modern paintings of Jesus are too sentimental and that they can distract us from the radical message of Jesus, I still want us to understand that this image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd is still a strong tenderness, a strong compassion that Jesus shares with us when he says, I am the Good Shepherd. So just as Jesus sends his words of judgment to the elitist religious leaders who were false shepherds and bad shepherds, in those words, he also weaves encouragement and compassion for the larger group of people that are listening to him during that time, people who were lost and without a shepherd. And Jesus says this to us today. God knows you. God has your eternal well-being at his very heart. He gave his life for you. And he won't abandon you like so many others will when the going gets rough. That's part of the message today of what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. I've told uh, some people about Professor Douglas McMillan before. Uh, Douglas McMillan was a, a Scottish professor and before he was a professor, he was a shepherd in the Highlands of Scotland. And he tells many stories, and I've probably told a few of them uh, to the congregation here. Uh, but one of my favorite stories is when he talks about caring for a little lamb who had been rejected by its mother. And he took this little lamb in, and he was on a break from seminary, and he was back at home on the, on the small farm. And he took the little lamb in, and he cared for it, and he nurtured it, and he got it ready to go out and join the rest of the sheep. And so then he went back to seminary. He was gone for the whole term. When he came back home after the term, he was standing out in the field with his father, and he was looking at all the sheep. And suddenly, as his hands were just dangling down, he felt this nose of the sheep right into the palm of his hand. And he looked down, and he recognized this is the lamb. He gave the lamb a name. I forget the name he gave it, but... This is the lamb. It's now grown up to be a full-grown sheep. And that sheep also recognized Douglas and came over to say hi. And Douglas said, it's like he just wanted to say thanks. And that's a kind of a beautiful image to me. It just shows that intimacy of knowledge and trust and relationship that can exist between a shepherd and his sheep. That's the image we're meant to get here. It's this image that God knows us that God loves us, but also that we can know God and that we can love God in return. That's the intimacy that we're looking for. So Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. God knows you and God loves you. And the question today is, the question for us to consider is, do we love God in return? And do we have the confidence that we know him? Amen.